0: Oh yeah, I, I I don't know. I just I, I like my intro. My intro gets me gets me wound. <clears throat> I like where I live too. I'm not gonna move away from where I live. That's that's the thing. And uh, anyway, the GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Text Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line. I'll get it right. That's 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. And you can find the podcast on the free Odyssey app. They're out there screaming at you. Defund the police. Remember the summer of love? So they defunded the police in some places. Thankfully, we didn't do it here. And... Now they're discovering, the hard way, that they're actually going to defund themselves. Let me explain. Nearly 160 Wall Street firms have moved their headquarters out of New York since the end of 2019. And they've taken with them $1 trillion in assets under management with them, according to data from 17,000 companies compiled by Bloomberg. And a few things they are looking to avoid by doing this is the rampant crime, the stiff taxes, and the cost of living. 158 fed-up financial firms, representing $993 billion, have packed up and left, taking thousands of high-paid employees with them. Now, lefties would argue that that's not city money that's fleeing, it's only rich man's assets. But that's how idiots think. <laughs> uh. Now, New York Post highlights some concrete consequences for New York City in the wake of this, which is, this is capital flight. And, uh, I mean, this is the death knell of the city, you know, when when you've got your tax base taken off. Because... While it may be assets, they spend money in New York City. They generate tax in New York City. And we get this. The mass migration threatens a crippling economic blow. Last year, Wall Street accounted for 16% of all economic activity in the city and 7.3% of economic activity statewide. And that is the highest in the nation by far, towering above the national average of just 1.7% according to an October report. Last year, financial firms paid 5.4 billion in New York taxes and accounted for nearly a quarter of all personal income tax collections. And now tax revenue from the industry this year is headed for a significant decline. It also noted that their share of uh, financial industry jobs was 17.6% in 2022 down by nearly a half from a third in 1990, and noted the jobs have shifted to lower-cost regions. So it's not just people fleeing New York. A lot of people are fleeing New York. A lot of people are fleeing all of these, uh, these places. You got major investors, though. Big financial companies, the thing that makes New York, New York. You know, tobacco once made Cuba Cuba. Now that socialism has taken hold, of course that isn't the case. Wall Street is becoming picket fence street. And the businesses are fleeing for the same reason that the people are fleeing, bad government. And the picture is largely the same. Here you have one of the world's biggest cities, one of the world's most expensive cities. Tax them up the wazoo, you demonize the corporations that are paying most of the taxes, you embrace the COVID lockdowns, you defund the cops, or incentivize them to retire at their desk. And you let the homeless and the drug addicted roam freely, and you let the organized, theft ring shut down retailers and restaurants. You let every car be subject to smash-and-grab robbers. You let vital city services like the subway become dangerous no-go zones. You lose an analyst or two every so often to random violent crime and you you ensure that public schools are not worth going to. And then when somebody comes to you and they complain about it, you mock and laugh at those and you mock and laugh at those who do the logical thing, which is to move someplace else where the costs are lower, the taxes are lower, the bums know they can't camp out in front of somebody's headquarters and the criminals know uh, they're headed to jail every time they loot a business. And that's what governors, uh, New York's governor Kathy Hochul did when she spewed this to the state's 5.4 million Republicans. Just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong. Okay. You are not New Yorkers. So she's getting what she wanted by seeing the back of such people and they're taking their money with them (laughs) and no more lavish government spending, no more hiring of bureaucrats, funding of NGOs, no more greeny global warming transitions, and eventually no more tops of the list regarding New York's place in the global finance. Texas seems to be moving into that one. So very sorry situation here, given how foolish these people are about their own access to walking around money. And it's like they plan about as much as Castro and Cuba did the man whose socialism calls Cuba its tobacco industry crown. And wait till they see what their taxes collector wants property values go down amidst the empty skyscrapers. As in the case of Bud Light, these big financial institutions were New York's customers and New York made it abundantly clear that they hated their customers. And this isn't solely a New York problem. San Francisco's got it going on. I mean, Elon Musk got out there and just threatened to pull his Tesla operation out of the Bay Area. And all the politicians out there started screaming obscenities at him. Instead of allowing his company to function. And he was going to do it based on the lockdowns. And after that kind of class, Texas got the company operations and its revenues. And the after effect is this, which New York is sure to see too. The Chase Center, the Westin St. Francis Hotel, the Transamerica Pyramid—those properties, among the most iconic in San Francisco—but they all, well, they also have in common is that their owners are applying for dramatic cuts in their assessed values, and a worrying sign for the fiscal health. The owner of the Transamerica Pyramid, New York developer H. Shvo, which push, purchased the building in 2020, seeking a 53% reduction in its assessed value. They basically defunded these companies with their policies, and now the companies are lining up to pay, ask to pay less revenue based on the falling value of their property. And these are the ones that haven't fled. So what they're doing is they're saying, look, uh, what you did caused my value to go down. So if you're going to assess a tax to me, that's fine. Uh, we want you to, you know, the West St. Francis, it was, a, it was originally assessed at $787 million dollars. They want it down to $76 million. That's what they're willing to pay tax on. Now, in third world countries, when this sort of flight begins, right, um, dictatorships and the shambly Democratic leaders do their best to call their expatriates back, appealing to patriotism and lower tax rates and tax carve-outs and anything that will do the trick because they can't live without the capital. New York. Absolutely oblivious. Not calling back their citizens. Not trying to bring them back to the companies. you know, Doing these things would require a change of their policy. Their monster tax rates and all these things that make pe- companies and people take off. That's a bridge too far for them. So they swear after the leavers leave. It's nice to say that somehow these kind of problems solve themselves, but to see a great city go the way of Detroit in the 70s is sad stuff. And that's what I don't understand about the blue city rulers. What are they going What are they going to be in charge of? An empty place? Worth nothing? Is that what they want to be in charge of? They defund themselves through their own policies and haven't got a clue as to what will hit them. maybe they get yanked right but i don't know i don't know in marin county marin county california is a very storied place but uh, it's becoming quite the dump now this is news talk 989 w o r d All right, got to get all the buttons pushed. Push that one. Yeah, yeah, push that one. Good, good stuff. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you know what? Democracy is the theory that common people know what they want, and then when they get it, they get it good and hard. Yeah. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Marin County, California. I became aware of that. I'm I, I like Martin Mull. I think he's a funny guy. And uh he made a movie back in uh gosh, when was this? Nineteen seventy. I just saw it. He made a movie called Serial. And Serial was set nineteen eighty. It was set in Marin County. County Marin County's a weird place. And it was a weird place in 1980. And I'm sure it's a weirder place now, 43 years later. And it is, you know, a fanatically Democrat voting county. And it was once a very safe community. Now, in 2014, they very enthusiastically supported Proposition 47. Which, uh, even before 2015, 2015, when Michael Brown attacked a police officer tried to seize officer's gun, getting himself killed in the process, California was already paving the way for an increase in crime and a diminishment of law enforcement. And Proposition 47 was that salvo, because it reduced shoplifting from a felony to a misdemeanor if the stolen goods are valued at less than $951. So... After Prop 47 passed, you'd get a ticket for stealing up to $950 in merchandise. Now, in Marin County, most of the people were not shoplifters. That's not why they voted for it. They voted for it because they're leftists, and that's what leftists do. They virtue signal. And they were all in on this initiative, and it. And this is not an anomaly. Marin County, which is the eighth wealthiest county in America, is fanatically Democrat. In 2020, 2020, Joe Biden walked away with 82.53% of the votes. So given this absolute devotion to Democrat policy, um, karma, (laughs) when karma comes to visit, it's sort of funny. And they're suffering right now terribly from the shoplifting. And we get this. Across the Bay Area, retailers say they're struggling with rampant theft as laws, regulations, and other obstacles complicate enforcement, leaving business owners frustrated. Experts credit several circumstances for today's shoplifting problem. An uptick in organized retail theft, social media posts that facilitate organized ransacking, increased homelessness, widespread drug addiction, and a societal move away from incarceration for less serious crimes. San Rafael Police Sergeant Justin Graham said the current laws allow thieves to get comfortable with stealing and even target the same stores repeatedly. So, (laughs) for theft to be charged as a felony, the value of the item must be at least $950. And most stores have policies that prevent employees from chasing theft suspects for their safety and to reduce liability. A 2018 study, which is, you know, what, five years old now, uh by the Public Policy Institute of California found that Proposition forty seven may have contributed to a nine percent rise in theft mostly from vehicles and that it probably reduced both arrests for law enforcement and convictions resulting from prosecutions by district attorneys. Now my karma should not extend to the twenty percent or so, which was actually about eighteen and a half percent of Marin County residents who didn't vote for this madness, many of whom You know, just regular people. They're all just regular people that live in a very rich county in the United States. There's probably some merchants among that 18.5%. And I feel great compassion. But then again, you live there. So obviously there's something. you're, You're willing to absorb X amount of punishment. But for everybody else, karma is there for you. It is roosting. Karma is a bird of prey when it comes rolling in on you. Flying in on you. Birds don't roll in, do they? And they're getting their democracy good and hard. Because, I, you know, it was you know, Barack Hussein Obama who pontificated in a very now fashion. Elections have a consequence. The Democratic voters, it'd be great if they learned the lesson. You know, I do things on a regular basis that are just out and out, just crazy mistakes. I do. And uh, I try to learn from them on a regular basis. I try not to repeat the same mistake twice. And maybe that's why I'm not a Democrat voter because Democrat voters seem to think that you can just vote for the same thing over and over again. And something's gonna change. Don't listen to what these people are putting out I mean, I don't know all I don't just take this away from parents. Pushing, pushing, pushing the transgender nonsense. For these voters, politics is a struggle between good and evil, and the Democrats are the good guys, and Republicans are bad guys, and... Even as their infrastructure crumbles and their streets are covered with feces and they've got drugged out zombies bent halfway over and fill the sidewalks, the stores go out of business, the cities burn. Wild card, I'm being told I sound like a Decepticon. Is that possible? Okay, I was sounding like a Decepticon. <laughs> uh. A decepticon anyway even as everything in the city wherever they're at the county whatever it is even as everything burns down and everything goes to you know hell they'll continue to cast their vote for somebody with a D beside their name and I hate to tell you guys this but the socialist utopia is a horrible place to be. It's a horrible place to be. This is the kind of place where you want to walk around with Snake Plissken. This is the kind of place where you want to walk around with Rambo because you're going to need that kind of protection whenever you're in the socialist utopia. I mean, I, I you know, as I sit here on a daily basis and I think to myself, I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm, a, I'm the other. I have never faced... A, uh, a drug zombie before i've never faced one and i don't know what that means and i don't know how that functions i know that with certain drugs uh it's very hard to face them and listen i just try to walk past them right but inevitably this happens this kind of thing happens and then you get you get crimes like what happened to china yuna lee in uh, or, uh i think that's her name young lady out of new york She worked for a social media company and uh, she was walking home and one of these drugged out zombies followed her home, followed her into her magnetic door, into her apartment, pushed her into her apartment, pushed her into her bathtub and stabbed her 47 times. And then sat there with her dead body while the police were trying to come in saying, yeah, yeah, I called you. I called you. That's. That's a normal thing in these kind of areas. Well, President Biden in his latest, uh, in his latest uh, bout of uh, leadership has proved himself to be quite the liability when it comes to the optics of the Democratic Party. More to follow. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. i'm sort of lucky my time in the military i served under the one of the best commanders in chief that there was i served when reagan was in office the gs plumbing talk line is one 800 the common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 uh in 1985 when the peacekeepers were coming back from cairo to uh to fort campbell kentucky on a flight uh from you know uh 248 members of the 101st Airborne Division who were coming home for Christmas died in a plane crash. And when that happened and they got those soldiers together and they brought them back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Ronald Reagan showed up at the memorial service and Ronald Reagan was in the middle of the family members. He was crying with them. He was trying to comfort them that's a commander-in-chief that's a leader one that gets there and he goes when he has to uh when he's needed sometimes sometimes your leader is needed and ronald reagan went i've been to the uh the first uh, going to the 101st airborne division uh Museum is very interesting just because of the things you see from the Gander, Newfoundland crash that happened. And um, 248 peacekeepers, that were some; they were sent somewhere where they would have been in harm's way, and they rotated out, and on their way home for Christmas, they got killed. When word reached Joe Biden about the Maui fire that, you know, killed as we speak now that we know about a hundred people, thousands more missing. He didn't rush to air force one and go fly over the Pacific to look at this. He should have, but he didn't No, he did. Well, he actually did what turns out to be the best thing he could have done because he just didn't attend it because since he's, you know, he, he's the gaffes have been having him. but he went on a Delaware beach vacation. Then he went to the White House and he refused to speak with the reporters about it. Then he took off the to Lake Tahoe. And then eventually he paused to stay at the Sierra Nevada mountains to fly to Hawaii. He gets there two weeks after the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history started and he cracked several jokes about hot pavement and football. He looked at the mayor of Maui County and said, you look like you played defensive tackle for, I don't know who, but somebody good. And then he says, wildfires are a national travity. Then he turned a speech that was supposed to encourage the fire victims into a self-adulating spiel laced with lies. Talking about a kitchen fire, which you've all heard the debunking of that. I don't need to go into it. Then he topped it off with a quick nap during a service dedicated to honoring the people who lost their lives in Lahina. And this is not Biden being old. This is Biden being Biden. He has tainted tragedies, including his own, with uh, a lot of insolence. And even Maui's own recognize Biden's performative presence as a mockery of the fire's victims. This is not commander-in-chief-like to me. And... Since he's not there to really do anything, what he's basically doing is he's slowing everything down. And a lot of people are looking at this and they're saying, you know, they pay more attention to Ukraine than they do here. And it's not just an offense to the people of Hawaii who almost all of them voted for him. This is a stain. All of these presidents, they always worry about their legacy because, you know, to be president, you got to have an ego. The ego insists that you feed into your legacy, and he has stained his later legacy. His later leadership, in light of this, it's not leadership; it's a liability. We got a lot of problems here, and we got a lot of problems overseas and abroad. And all he does is stoke them. Everything that we've had to endure has been self-inflicted by the Biden administration. Even the few crises that were free of the instigation, like the fire in, fire in Maui. He gets there and he's not, he's not real. He's not, he's not really there with them. He's turning what's happened to them into a thing for him, about him. Right now, the Democrats are out there saying that Trump, who's their you know primary political opponent, he is unfit to rule. And in the same paragraph, as they're saying that they're standing in front of the president who's falling asleep in the middle of a memorial ceremony. When you're the president of the United States and you roll up on a bunch of you know smoldering. Ashes, ruins, right? That's not the... You're not on stage to look cool or funny or whatever. We, we Nobody's looking for performative posturing. When Reagan went out into the middle of those families at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, he didn't care who else was there. It was him, and it was that young wife, and that young baby, that didn't know what was going on, didn't know that daddy was gone or mommy. And he was there with them personally. Every time there's a real crisis, Biden checks out. He he does not see any need to be out front to be the tip of the spear. But he plans to go back to living a lavish life. I mean, he's had more vacations than any president I know about. He scoffs at the suffering of people, and that makes him unworthy to be our Commander-in-Chief. These global warming models, well, let's just be honest about them, shall we? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Gather round, children. I have a story to relate to you. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. And, of course, it's available on the free Odyssey app. A long time ago, in land navigation in the military, we used to use maps and compasses. And we would shoot an azimuth with the compass. And then that would be our heading. We would look at the map to try to figure out in this line of travel we're going to be going, what are we going over? We got to climb mountains. We got to go down in valleys. Is it going to be level? What's going on? You know, a ruled map, if you will. If you were off on your azimuth by a degree or two, then that meant that the further away your objective was, the further away you were going to actually be from the objective for shooting an incorrect azimuth you have to have precise data in all things. And that is also the way it is with these weather models. They've been they've been working on these things for 50 years. I mean, the army used to do this and the here here's the thing. It all comes down to what is the plus or minus as far as the margin of error. Right? And then that's all that, that, that's all well and good if we get out there and say, okay, we're going to say plus or minus two. Okay, that's great. What are you feeding into it? What's the data going into it? You got to have precise data going in. If you have data that is in error, then what you're going to get is junk results. If you look at data or a forecast, the first question has got to be, what is the error range? And you would think that with modern technology that these problems would be solved because, you know, we modern technology. But the error problems are still true today. And it's not that the long-term temperature forecasts are wrong. It's that they can't be right. And the ones doing the forecasting are either incredibly stupid or they're lying to your face and they're doing it for the money. And when the uh, UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change made even a pretense of being science-based, they used to admit it. They wrote in 2001, the climate system is a coupled nonlinear chaotic system and therefore the long-term prediction of future climate states is not possible. Bingo, baby! The weather is a coupled nonlinear chaotic system. It doesn't exist in logic. There's no way to predict it based upon its current trajectory. Chaos theory says very small changes in inputs can result in totally different outcomes. For most people, that's counterintuitive. And we intrinsically think that if you're a little off at the beginning, you should be a little off at the end. Well, that's not the way that works. Go back to the azimuth. What if you shot an azimuth on one side, you know, you're on a mountain. And if you're off by five degrees, you're in a valley. That makes a big difference. And the climate mafia know that this is true, but they still want money and power because that's what it's about. They argue that even though you can't make a real temperature forecast, they can create a completely bogus forecasting approach, scare the living bejesus out of you. All about fear. And that's what they're trying to do now with this. I, I see all these mask mandates and everything coming back. Just in time for 2024, right? if it wasn't so transparent it would be funny if it weren't for the fact that you were not sitting out there and you're not going to be happy until uh you know you're not going to be happy until you have full control over everything and then you're just going to destroy it every time you get a hold of anything every time you get a hold of control of anything any place any process any concept you destroy it And then when we leave, you're sitting back going, where'd everybody go? We're in charge. Don't you want to be here with us? In 1850, and even in 1950, only a small percentage of the world's population could even be considered close to industrialized. If you look at India and Africa and China, then almost medieval energy use patterns until really recently. And we've been around in our current forum for many tens of thousands of years. So say the weather since 1850s is representative of anything but a statistical perspective is a joke. So what kind of temperature data do we have since 1850? Well, we have oceans and ice caps covering 80, 80 plus percent of the world's surface. And we have virtually no reliable long-term data on any of that other than the last few decades. And even then, you're talking about a relatively small number of measuring devices in all those places. What about the temperature trends in deserts, on mountains in the middle of Africa, South America, Siberia, at sea level, 100 feet elevation, a 1,000 feet? There's almost no real reliable and complete long-term data globally, and particularly non-reliable enough to create a model of a chaotic system entirely dependent on very accurate data input so the concept of an average temperature is critical to their bogus forecasting and you know we think average generally means something useful or it gets a mental pass and as an example describes the average um, human but here's a thought experiment what's the average temperature of your house within one degree think about that. How do you weight a gauge in a big room versus a small one or on the ceiling versus the floor and get a good reading? I don't know. Screens. Screens are the bane of our society. This is News Talk 98.9 W.O.R.D.